And welcome in. It is Jobbing Out, episode number 22. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster with you. Of course, Aaron covers the WWE for the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. And Aaron, um, boy, it feels like we've done too many of these recently, doesn't it? It's, it's easily the worst part about being a wrestling fan is having to deal with the death of our heroes. No really. doubt. And, and to do it, you know, as, as I, I tweeted out, possibly losing the greatest face of all time and then the greatest heel of all time in a span of six weeks is just, it, it's always almost too much to brutal. process. It is brutal. And of course, obviously, we're talking about. Um, the, the passing at the end of last week of the great Rowdy Roddy Piper. And interestingly enough, we talked about how we we're going to do this this week. And right at the top of the show, um, Aaron had mentioned a name that he wanted to bring on. And, and obviously this week, interesting because Rowdy Roddy Piper was just here in this area just two weeks ago um, and ended up doing what will be his final ever Piper's Pit segment. And, the guy that was working that segment with them is a guy that we've talked to before on this show. You're very familiar from MCW. Before that, he was with the WWE and uh, with the Baltimore Sun in the same role that Aaron's in right now. And uh, we welcome now onto the show Mr. Kevin Eck. Kevin, it's Glenn and Aaron. And as we're saying, man, these, 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 it just sucks that we have to continue to do this. But I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, no, no problem. But, uh, it definitely does suck. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, you alluded to Dusty Rhodes passing away uh, last month. Um, you know, for me, three of my all-time favorites are Roddy Piper, Dusty Rhodes, and Randy Savage. <sighs> so the fact that all three of those guys are gone now, I mean, it really, it really hits home. You know, really a large part of your childhood and and, and even our adulthood. You know, I've, I mean, I've been a wrestling fan my entire life, and uh, those were three of the greats. And it just seems like all three gone, you know, way before their time. You know, you when you saw Roddy a couple weekends ago, and all of us have seen, you know, Aaron was there, I've watched the video, he he looks good, he looked like he enjoyed himself, he seemed like he was engaged and interested in being there. What were your observations being around Roddy that, that weekend? Yeah, I would agree with all of those assessments. I mean, I got no sense that uh, there was anything wrong with him physically or you know, I mean, I want to, I want to say this as respectfully as possible. I think Roddy would even admit to this himself. You know, he's a little out there sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes he comes off a little flaky. And um, you know, he certainly didn't come off that way at all. He seemed to be very in very good uh, spirits, as you said, uh, sound mind, sound body, the whole thing uh, was great to work with. And you mentioned he seemed happy to be there, and, and he really did. I mean, he. Look, this isn't, I mean, Roddy Piper's a legend in this business, obviously. And to come into Maryland Championship Wrestling and work with a bunch of young guys, not that I put myself in that category, I'm one of the older guys, but to work on an independent show, you know, a guy of his stature, look, some guys come in and uh, it's a payday and let me come in and let me get out and give me my money and thank you very much. You know, Roddy wasn't like that at all. You know, he was very invested, he was very invested in the segment that we did, um, and he was great. You know, I can't say enough good things about that whole experience of working with him, how engaged he was. Um, you know, just it, it, he did not mail it in in any sense of the word. And then afterwards, the time that he took to talk to me and the other guys that were involved in that segment and give us some constructive criticism, you know, what we could have done differently. He, he went through, a, you know, a bunch of different scenarios of, well, you know, if, if we would have made this choice and reacted this way, that could have led to this. Here's why. 
it really got us to think about things that we didn't even, you know, going down avenues we would have never thought of for that segment. I mean, it was just an unbelievable experience for me, not only to be in there with him, performing with him in front of a live crowd, but to kind of sit under the learning tree afterwards was, uh, you know, it's just something I'll never forget. Yeah, before it became what it was, obviously, the, the last Piper's Pit ever, what was it like for you, as you said, he's one of your top three favorites, to get to do a segment with uh, Roddy Piper? I mean, the word surreal doesn't even even do it justice. You know, when uh, when I heard that Roddy Piper was coming, you know, we heard, you know, a couple months ago, I knew he was coming in for the shot, and, um, you know, I was excited about it, and, it was, you know, again, one of my all-time favorites, it was great, it'd be great to see him Again, you know, I worked with him very briefly on a segment in WWE a couple of years ago. Um, but I just thought, hey, it'd be great. It'd be great for MCW. It'd be great for me personally to see him again. And never really thought that we'd be working together. Uh, but it was, it was Dan McDevitt, you know, the promoter of MCW, who came up with this idea of, uh, you know, Roddy had agreed to do a live Piper's Pit and didn't really know anything beyond that. It hadn't been discussed who was going to be the guest or anything like that. Dan floated the idea to me of, you know, what if I go in there and we kind of play off of something I had written about on the blog um, a couple months ago where I was talking about the app voting in WWE and how sometimes it would wreak havoc when you're doing a live show, a live Monday Night Raw, and the, the anytime there's an app vote, it was all legit. There was no working the vote. And I had uh, been assigned a segment with Roddy Piper Live Piper's Pit, where the audience had to choose out of three candidates, who were Chris Jericho, The Miz, and Dolph Ziggler, who was going to be his guest that night. And we legitimately didn't know and weren't going to know who the winner was until literally going right out there and doing it. So as the writer assigned to that segment, I had to write three separate segments based on Dolph winning, Jericho winning, or Miz winning. And and basically it was, you know, we sat down, the five of us, and talked about it, Roddy, myself, and those three guys. And once you sit down with talent, especially talent sort of, you know, on Jericho's level, uh, they have their own ideas. So Jericho wanted, you know, had his input. Roddy had his thoughts. Uh, Miz always, you know, God bless him, Miz thought he didn't have enough to say and wanted more to say. <laughs> Dolph actually kind of just sat back and listened to it all. But everybody's throwing in their ideas. Meanwhile, the clock's ticking, and it's getting closer and closer to the show starting. And I just I had this bad feeling that it was going to be a train wreck. And I felt like we were, I really felt like we were setting Roddy up for failure because I could just see he was trying to keep all this in his head, three separate scenarios. It's going to be live TV. It just seemed like he was a little bit flustered by the whole thing. And then literally five minutes before we went out there, I kid you not, Vince McMahon called me over and, and wanted to make another change to the segment. And so I had to then relay that to Roddy, you know, something else had changed. So it, it ended up being a real train wreck segment like I thought it was going to be, and it got trashed on social media. Everybody hated it. Vince hated it, and you could tell if you were watching the show that night, Vince was feeding lines to Michael Cole and I think Jerry Lawler at the time to bury the segment, and and it was just, you know, it was one of the worst things I've been involved in with WWE. Dan's idea was to play off of that segment in Piper's Pit has me being a heel in MCW, um, basically blame Roddy Piper for costing me my job in WWE because he because that segment tanked. So my job was to blame Roddy Piper for sabotaging the segment, going into business for himself, and ultimately that's what cost me my job in MCW. And that was the premise. 
and he was and he was cool with that, and he he ran with it, right? He did. We look. We were we thought we were going to have a lot more time to go over the segment, um, but you know these these things, <laughs> the best laid plans, you know, in wrestling always seem to, to go awry. We thought we were going to have about an hour, you know, to sit down and discuss it and really get in our heads exactly what we wanted to do. Turns out, you know, Roddy the he was signing autographs there. Uh, a lot longer, I guess, than he thought he was, than, than we thought he was going to be signing. So we literally had about 15 minutes to, you know, go into a room and just kind of hash out this idea. Roddy really liked the premise, and and then we just kind of tossed out a few ideas. And uh, uh, somebody threw out, well, what if Roddy slaps you, you know, at, at the <laughs> end? And I was like, oh, that's sure, that's great. That was kind of the button on the segment. Uh, but literally, like I said, we had about 15 minutes. Here's the basic gist of it, and and we did not get a chance to you know write anything down or act you know uh, go over it or or memorize anything. It was literally just a few key lines that we were going to try and get in and and a premise and a button of a slap. So we went out there and um, you know it was just an incredible experience for me. Who you know this performing thing is still relatively new for me. I'm very much a guy who needs to write it down, memorize it, get it in my head, and then go go do it. This was kind of new for me to go out there and sort of do things on the fly. And and uh, but I tell you what, I feel like it made me a uh, it's made me a better, more confident performer going forward. Because when you're out there with Roddy, you know, even if we were to memorize it, <laughs> knowing Roddy's style, he would have thrown me some curveballs and improvised. Uh, so the experience of out, being out there improvising with Roddy Piper and uh, having to think on my feet and react to him, and you know, it, it was just it was unbelievable. Like I said, surreal doesn't do it justice. Um, but me being a a longtime Roddy Piper fan, I mean, I I idolized this guy when I was a teenager. Um, you know, I first discovered him uh, when I was like 14 years old, watching Georgia Championship Wrestling back in the early mm-hmm. 80s, and and was immediately just enthralled by by this guy how he could uh just the gift of gab that he had i'd never seen anyone who could talk quite like he did he was a heel commentator at that point and and he was just so good like it, it was this was before jesse ventura this was before bobby heenan and all those guys that are that are kind of known for being heel commentators roddy was really the first that i had ever seen and and once he came to wwe wwf at the time and the whole rock and wrestling thing and that happened i mean it, it just I would have given anything to have just, you know, to have shook his hand or gotten an autograph from Roddy Piper. So then fast forward, you know, 30 years, and here I am standing in a ring in Piper's pit, sharing a microphone with Roddy Piper. I mean, I just, it's, it's something I'll, I'll cherish and never forget. And it would have been special no matter what, but then 13 days later, to get the news that Roddy passed away and that that's the final Piper's pit, Again, like I said, surreal doesn't do it doesn't do it justice. What are so when you think go back and think of Roddy Piper? What are your favorite memories of him? What are your favorite moments or matches or segments? You know, I, everybody talks about the Piper's Pit segments in, in WWE, and certainly I have some some fond memories of those. But you know, one of the first um, things I really remember about Piper was you know he was such a great. Heel, like I alluded to, and in, in, uh, when he was doing the commentary on Georgia Championship Wrestling, but it was it was funny because Roddy had this kind of dynamic where he was a heel, 
but he would also be very insightful, and he would sometimes compliment the baby faces. And it was just, he tried to, it's like he sort of played it objectively, but then he'd always kind of lean a little bit to the heel. One thing that was interesting is that he was always very, very respectful to Gordon Soler. I don't know if you guys remember Gordon back yeah, in the day. absolutely. Kind of, the you know, looked at as sort of the Walter Cronkite of pro wrestling announcers. Very, very, uh, brought a lot of legitimacy to it. Really treated it like it was, no matter what ridiculous scenario was going on around him, he treated it like it was a legitimate sport, and it kind of uh, made you suspend your disbelief as you were watching it. Roddy and Gordon had a great on-air relationship in that, you know, a lot of the heel commentators will will point with their, uh, there'll be a lot of bickering with the play-by-play guy. You know, Jesse Ventura back in the day constantly running down Vince McMahon. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan had this, you know, back-and-forth thing going on all the time. Roddy was very respectful to Gordon. And there was a uh, an angle where Magnificent Morocco was angry about something that Gordon had said or whatever it was, and, and he started to get physical with Gordon Soley, which was also, like, that never happened. No one ever put their hands on Gordon. Uh, Roddy Piper was standing close by, and as soon as Morocco did that, I think he, he kind of pushed Piper out of the way, and then all of a sudden Roddy sprung into action and jumped on Morocco. And just like that, the most hated heel in the company immediately became the biggest baby face. Hmm. And, and the way they did it, it wasn't like Roddy suddenly changed his personality. He came out right after that and said, you know, I'm not here to kiss no baby. And he was still the same Roddy Piper. It's just like, hey, you know, I'm not going to let somebody put their hands on Gordon Soley. Wow. I had to do something about it. Wow. That's that, tremendous. That was just a, that's an angle I'll, I'll always remember. And it was, it was so simplistic, but it was brilliant, you know, in its, in its simplicity, that just like that, with, with very little buildup, you could take a guy who was so hated and make him so loved. Um, you know, I also think back to the, the dog collar match Starcade '83 mm-hmm. had with Greg Valentine was was a great, well, it was a great program, culminating with a huge, you know, blow off to their feud there. Um, obviously, I'm, you know, everybody loved the Snuka Piper's pick. Um, I, I loved the one with uh, Frank Williams. I think mm-hmm. that may be my favorite Piper's pick was when he had Jobber Frankie Williams out there, and. Uh, you know, I just think Piper, it was hilarious. I mean, the, the, the interaction between him and Frankie Williams was such a fish out of water, even being in that segment. Uh, the Roddy Piper, Piper's pit with Andre the Giant. You don't throw rocks at a man who has a machine gun. It, it was all, I mean, there's just so many of them, you know. Um, you know, one of the things is Kevin Eck joins us here on Jobbing Out. We're talking about the passing of the icon, Roddy Roddy Piper. Um Kevin, I have some friends that work in Hollywood and that have worked on various projects via Funny or Die with um, uh, Roddy. And I was blown away because I, I didn't know that. And I started seeing their, their messages on Friday on social media talking about what a warm individual Roddy was and how caring he was. And I, I just didn't realize. I'm like, what, these guys are wrestling fans? They don't, they don't seem like the type that would be wrestling fans. And then I found out more. But it was remarkable to me to to read so many stories. Brandon Stroud wrote this week about an interaction he saw where Roddy kissed the face of a a kid that um, you know was in a wheelchair at a terrible autograph signing. Just a kid that couldn't talk, and he just spent five minutes literally kissing him on his face. And you have this persona, and look, everybody knows that these personas in professional wrestling aren't real. But how someone could go from from being so deranged in their character, just a, a lunatic heel, 
to someone so warm and caring and considering, I think it's a remarkable testament about the man. There's no question about it. I mean, it really, as you said, it, it is just a testament to how talented of a performer, performer, excuse me, he really was. I mean, you're looking at a guy who, on any list of the greatest villains of all time in pro wrestling, if he's not number one, you know, he's darn sure in the top three to five. Um, but then when you think about it, he spent the majority of his time in the WWF, WWE, as a babyface. I mean, his heel run was relatively short. He came into WWE in late 83, early 84. By 86 is when he did his babyface turn and pretty much stayed face, except for a brief kind of moment where, you know, I think he was managing Sean O'Hare mm-hmm. on SmackDown, and they did a little heel thing with Hogan, Mr. America. He was doing that gimmick at the time. But for the most part, Roddy's been a beloved babyface. But, you know, he really could. He could turn on that switch and seem like the most obnoxious, you know, biggest jerk ever. And, you know, he could also play the, the beloved babyface role. But in his real life, you know, in my brief experiences with him, he was just an unbelievable guy to work with. Unbelievably respectful, nice. Uh, and and any anyone that I know that has that knows Roddy or has worked with him over the years has they've all said the exact same thing of what a great guy that he was. And and again, when you think of a person at his level, I mean, one of the all-time most famous wrestlers ever. And and the lack of uh, look, everybody's got an ego. You have to, you know, especially in that business to survive. So obviously, Roddy, like everybody else, has one. Uh, but the ability he had to suppress that ego and not make you feel like you're underneath him or you're beneath him in any way. I mean, it was just—it's it, a real testament to him as, as a human being. And like I said, that night at MCW, he went out of his way. He wanted to make sure. This wasn't about Roddy Piper getting over, and he wanted us to know that. He's over, okay? He's a legend. <laughs> this show at MCW wasn't going to do anything for him. This was about us, the MCW talent, and he wanted to get that across. The Hellcats were the baby faces that made the save at the end of that Piper's pit site. He made sure that they were going to, he wanted them to get some mic time. That not only were they going to make the save, he wanted them to speak on the mic to get themselves over. He wanted my tag team, the Ectorage, you know, to, to whatever they were going to do, get themselves over. And uh, he was so complimentary of, of all the young talent back there and, and just, like I said, really wanted to lend his expertise any way he could help us. And, and the constructive criticism he gave us, it was done in such the – it was just done exactly the right way of, you know, he kept stressing, I'm doing this out of love, you know, to help you get better. And not in any way speaking down to anyone. Um, yeah, I mean, just a great guy. I've I've never come across anyone in the business that I you know that said, yeah, Roddy Piper's a real jerk. And uh, man, I hope I never have to work with that guy. Hmm. I've never heard anyone say that. It's all been it's all been positive. That's incredible, uh, Aaron. You got any warm? Because I have one that's going to be not as warm. Do you have any more warm thoughts? Um, well, I, I did want to ask you, and it, it's not necessarily as warm, but obviously you had the job that I had at the Baltimore Sun. You are, you still have your blog. You write a lot, and most importantly, you're a fan. How do you deal with the fact that this has become part of our job as a writer and, and our job as a fan to see so many of our heroes of the legends of our business die? Yeah, it's incredibly tough. I mean, 
you know, it's funny because there was, well, it's not funny. It's a, you know, funny, strange. <laughs> um, there was a time when if there was a wrestling death and the person was, you know, like over the age of 60 or 70 or, you know, if they were in their 80s even, I would be like, well, at least, you know, at least they led a full life and they died of complications. You know, they died closer to the average age of when someone dies in life. The toughest part for me really was when these guys in their 30s, um, it seemed like every other week there was a guy in his 30s or early 40s who was dying. Um, and it seems like we've gotten past that. You know, there have been changes made. WWE's wellness policy, I mean, say what you want about WWE, good or bad, but I think the wellness policy has saved lives. I think a lot of the wrestlers have changed their lifestyles also. Um, but, yeah, even, you know, 61's not old. Uh, to, you know, Roddy Piper dying at 61, Dusty was not, Dusty was 69, I believe. It still feels like they're gone before their time. Um, and that is tough. But again, to, to me, if there is a silver lining in it, that at least we're not talking about guys 35 to 40 years old dropping dead, which it became almost to the point where it was numbing, yeah. where any, it happened and you're just, oh, okay, well, there, there we go again. Yes, we'll have another Raw tribute show next week where everybody's out of character talking about how sad they are that this person died. You know, I feel like we're beyond that, but still, yeah, I mean, the, 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 our childhood heroes, you know, again, for me, Randy, Dusty, Roddy, uh, just very, very sad that, that these guys are gone at this point. You know, it, Kevin, it was almost the exact same path that I was going to go down, and that's... You know, it compares to, I was talking to Mick just a couple of years ago, and, and we started talking because at the time I was doing, um, you know, a, 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 he was on a sports show of mine, and, and we started talking about head injuries, and he just said, Glenn, I'm recording stuff right now for my kids because I'm convinced that within the next five to ten years, I won't recognize them, and, you know, I won't be able to talk to them, and, and it's... It does make it difficult. Like I, I, it makes it tough for me to feel like I'm enjoying this, and yet I'm going to sit and watch my heroes all die at a young age. And I don't know that they, that we have to justify it in any way. Like I think that that's to to a large part you do accept that you do understand. And I think a lot of these guys will tell you they understand that you know what they do will likely lead to them you know having more issues than the average human being will. But oh boy, you know you just feel awful in these moments afterwards. You feel like it's 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 difficult to to love it the same way because you're reminded of the effect that it has on so many of these guys. Well, it, it is. I mean, but you know, you look at uh, you can make the analogy to like the NFL. I don't know. You know, have you guys ever seen Ozzie Newsom walk? Yeah. I mean, oh, no doubt. It's it's painful to watch Ozzie try to walk. You know, with that limp that he walks with. And and again, if you're in the NFL, it, it's you know it's very rough on your body, and you see those guys as they get older. It's, little, it's tough for them to move around. The same thing with WWE. And again, football players, wrestlers, they all know the risk that they're taking to be in a a sport or a form of entertainment that is so physical. That comes with the territory. They know they're going to be walking with a limp later on in life. And I think that's that's easier to accept. You know, you're going to be rewarded richly for it financially. You're going to get fame, trade-off is in your later years. You're going to have more aches and pains than the average person and maybe even some more serious health problems. But that being said, again, it, I feel like we're in a lot better place for wrestling where um, because we know so much more about concussion and there's concussion testing and there's a wellness policy that has some legitimacy to it, I feel like it's more uh, – we're going to see more 
of uh, the NFL type thing, where, yes, later in life you may have some physical ailments, but for the most part, you're not going to be dropping dead at 35. Yeah. And and, uh, and I think that is a positive as we kind of look at it. If we want to look at it in a positive way, I think that's it. It's like, it's like uh, you know, guys are going to lead more of a normal, longer life than, they, than the previous generation of wrestlers were doing. So, I mean, again, I think that if you want to put a positive spin on it, you know, that's it. No, I, I certainly understand that. And I... I... Again, I'm not saying that I'm going to stop watching wrestling because guys die a few years earlier. It's just, it, it sucks in that moment where you say, God, I just, I wish it wasn't the case. And I think that's all that we can come away from saying. I agree with you. But yeah. I tell you what, it was really, it got to be almost unbearable when, mm-hmm. when you were seeing, you know, Eddie Guerrero and right. obviously, you know, Mr. Perfect. And there were just so many, I mean, there are too many to name. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like every month or every other week, it's like, man, here's one of these guys dropping dead. And it was always the same, the same old story, you know. And I feel like we've gotten beyond that. And, look, WWE, their hand was kind of forced after the whole Chris Benoit thing to really make real changes and not just cosmetic, not just things that are PR moves. Um, and, and they've made those changes. And it's for the betterment of the business. It's for the betterment of the people in the business. So, again, there, there is a positive that's good. Well said, sir. Well said. He is Kevin Eck. Um, Kevin, can you remind everybody where they can find your blog and where you're on uh, social media so that people can make sure they're following you? Yes. it's uh, The blog is called The Eck Factor. You can find it at kevineckwrestling.sportsblog.com. Um, or you can just Google The Eck Factor and it will come up. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Kevin Eck underscore WWE. Yes, I still have WWE in my Twitter because, uh, hey, it helps me attract followers. <laughs> well, he's not dumb. I know that much. It's what's best for business. Um, it is best for business, yes. And you can always see him out at uh, uh, MCW and uh, all the great events that Maryland Championship Wrestling does. Kevin, I promise the next time we do this, it won't be uh, depressing and looking back on someone else's life. The next time we do this, it'll be more fun, all right? Oh, that sounds good. Hey, Kevin, appreciate it as always, man. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate Kevin taking the time for us for this week. And normally we don't do guests right out the top, but because, again, Kevin was involved with the yeah. last ever Piper's Pit, I just thought about it and said, why don't we, we start that way? Um, I, you know, I don't – Aaron, I'm, I know you've got a couple more. I've never had Roddy on any of my shows. Mm-hmm. No, you know what? I take that back. I had him on one in Arizona. That's not true. I had him on once in Arizona. Um I I would be lying to you if I told you that Roddy was one of my guys or one of the reasons why I'm a – I like Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he, again, a little bit before me. Just, just Yeah, it was very slightly before both of us. Right, just, we, a, we were, just we were, a little bit yep. from what I was really into in my youth. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I came back, as I talked before about when I left and then when I ended up coming back as a wrestling fan – you know, his appearances were sporadic. He'd show up. Like, I really enjoyed the the program with Jericho after The Wrestler, you mm-hmm. know, where he and, and Snuka and um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat yep. were sort of representing, you know, old The legends school, against, yes. Yeah, against Chris Jericho had been talking so much yes. S because they couldn't get Mickey Rourke to participate in the match right. that night. Um, there were things that he did that I really enjoyed. I, you know, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed some of the bits that he did for Funny or Die. It's, I, this is a, what I said when we were talking to Kevin, totally true. I, last Friday, started seeing a couple of my friends who work in L.A. talking about Roddy Piper. I'm like, what? 
how does Paul Lasada like that guy's not a wrestling fan. He's like a theater nerd. And as it turns out, he had worked with Roddy on a couple of these these things they had done with Funny or Die. I'm like, son of a bitch. Um, and I went back and watched him. I'm like, that shit is funny, man. Like, yeah. it's really – dude, he did a, a Christmas thing a few years ago where it was like a big fan came to meet him. And it was like uh, on the first day of Christmas, Roddy Piper gave to me. And then he gave him a headlock. A headlock just for you. <laughs> and then, like, it was just the guy – him kicking right. the guy's ass for the entire That's song. Fantastic. It was hilarious. That's great. It was so good, and I don't know that I realized the impact that Roddy mm-hmm. had. Uh, we do the show this week at the Press Box, where I work here in Baltimore, and Stan Charles, Stan the Fan, who's a big Baltimore media personality, he runs Press Box. He came in earlier today. He's like, dude, Roddy was my guy. Like, yeah. I loved Roddy, and mm-hmm. I thought that Stan made fun of us whenever we did the wrestling yep. show. Like, I thought he didn't care at all, and turns out he was a big Roddy Piper guy. Yep. So um, I don't know that I knew just the impact. That, that Roddy had. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about when I when I tweeted it out, I I got people from who just follow me for sports, who I'm just friends with, who never have watched wrestling in their life or haven't watched since they were little kids, be like, you know, that sucks. He was my guy. Uh, I think it really hit me. I never fully understood. I don't think exactly how big of a crossover star Roddy yeah. was. He was always overshadowed yeah. by Hogan a bit, and you know he did. They let everyone knows the you know. I'm here for two things, chewing bubblegum and right, kicking ass, right. and I'm all out of bubblegum. And, uh, but, you know, when he dies, I go on to io9, which is a sci-fi and fantasy blog. It's just kind of just the, the, on, uh, the Gawker Media Network. And there's something up there about him. Because he is, he was that big of a crossover. He might have been a little bit of a cult crossovers. Yeah. Star yeah because, like, you they know, live was they not a live huge... and hell goes to Frogtown right. or, and, and, you know, so the other stuff, the, thing that he most recently did that I interviewed for, uh, him about last year was a movie pro wrestlers versus zombies and those that was the type of movie he was always in and um, so I never quite I don't think understood what a big crossover star he was but his death um, impacted a lot more people than I thought it would um, inside the wrestling community I don't think it's quite hit as hard as Dusty did, but you know I right. hate that that we're even thinking about it. On well, that no, terms. I, I, well Dusty was more he was involved, involved on a day to day basis. Exactly. Whereas you know Roddy would pop up every now and then, exactly, and do yeah, some things. Right. But Dusty was really involved still to to the day that he died. Right. Um. I. You know. Again, it sucks. It yeah. just it sucks. There's not a whole lot else to say. Um. You know WWE as they. They sadly attended to, did a very nice job. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted out, I hate how often I have to say what an amazing tribute I, video I, this correct. is. I mean, it, it, again, it really was. They yeah. really did a nice job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, look, I, I don't know that there's a major takeaway. I there, don't there. know that there's something no. that we're supposed to say. I think that it, it has really warmed me to hear about how warm of a yeah. person Roddy and, was. And, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that because, like I said, I, I did get to interview him last year, and he it was um might have been the week of Wrestle it was either the week of WrestleMania or the week before WrestleMania. It was right around WrestleMania time because we talked about everything that was going on at WrestleMania and talked about the incoming Hall of Fame class because Mr. T was getting inducted yeah, uh, yeah. that year, and uh, Roddy was just. First of all, the the entire time he was so friendly and so often with these media calls, you know, especially because he was pushing the movie. So you know that this was like the probably the fifth, sixth interview he yep. did that day. Yep. And, and I've talked to many people, some people who I beloved as a child, who were just kind of 
not necessarily dicks to me, but you could tell they were just kind of going through the motions because, you know, I was the sixth guy in the line. They were doing four guys after me, and you just you could tell they didn't want to be doing it. But Roddy made me feel like the king of the world as he was doing all this. He was giving me the great, the greatest answer, just treating me like I was a buddy sitting at That's a awesome. bar with That's him. That's awesome. And, and one of the things, and I will never forget this, uh, you know, this, this was WrestleMania 30. They were already talking about, you know, some of the people who were going to be around, how Hogan was going to be around. Mr. T obviously was in it. And, and so I asked him, I was like, you know, why aren't you around? You know, why aren't you advertised yet? And he goes into this whole rant. He's like, oh, you know, they don't necessarily want me around. They, they're scared of me now. This was, this was two months. We saw him at the Baltimore Arena on, uh, old school Raw Right, night. that's right. And, and, uh, you know, this, he had kind of done a series of segments that hadn't necessarily gone that well because he had gone off script or, you know, things like that. And he goes on this whole, as it turned out, it was, it was basically a pro, but he treated it real about how, you know, I don't know why they don't want me around, but if they don't invite me, I don't know if I'll ever work with them again. I don't know why they don't want me around. And of course he shows up at WrestleMania right, 30. Right. And it turns out I had been worked. And there was that weird, time. like, backstage thing where. Yeah, yeah, you know, he shows up with, with, uh, Paul Orndorff. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but it turns out he had been working with me. Oh, of course. Where, and, but the way he did it, there are some people who work and you're just like, stop working me, stop being in character. But the way he did it was so perfectly and so rotty that it was just great. And I, I, Honestly, as it happened, I just sometimes I'm like, God damn it, why would you just blatantly <laughs> lie to me like that? But no, with Roddy, it was just like, I got worked by the best, nice. and it was awesome. And, and at the end, he spent, after we, we stopped recording, he spent, talked with me for like five minutes, and I, I'm, I'm really sad now because he, he told me, you know, when he's around or if, if we're ever in the same area, we should go out and grab a drink uh, or something like that. Uh, never got a chance to do that, but... um. You know, everything, every story I'm hearing, you know, while I never got to meet him in person, even though I was, I was at the MCW show, I didn't wait, like that line was ridiculously long. And I understand why, because he was giving time to everybody. He treated everybody like you knew them forever. He was your friend. He wasn't your hero. He was your friend. He liked you a lot. Um, and everything you're seeing, you're seeing on Reddit, all the outpouring of stories you're hearing right now, you know, in my brief, the, the 30 minutes I got to talk to him on the phone, I can absolutely see how that's the case. And it, it really sucks that a, a great, just, just like with Dusty Rhodes six weeks ago, it, it's not just that the world lost a fantastic wrestler, a guy who is our childhood hero. Uh, the thing that sucks most about it is that we lost a genuinely fantastic person in a business where I'm not going to say there's few and far between, but you know, a, a genuine person like Roddy doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And I, that's the biggest thing to me that really, really sucks about it. I mean, I, I am amazed, as I said, I'm amazed by hearing these stories, knowing just how lunatic he was in his character whether he was a you know a a, a a heel or a face i mean he was just not all there and then yeah. you hear about his warmth and how much he cared about meeting people and talking to them and it's 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 unbelievable i mean it's it's unbelievable and uh, a credit to the man and certainly someone who will be sorely sorely missed uh safe home uh hot rod rowdy rowdy piper um you know, this is the way it works. Much like on Raw, the, the show goes on. And, you know, the, it sucks because you just want to sit here and talk about Rowdy Rowdy Piper for an hour and, and call it the show. But, um, you know, he cared about the business and, and he knows. And so you, you move on and you, you, you talk about what else happened. And so 
we got more that we're going to do in this week's show. We're going to talk about what happened Monday night on Raw, a lot of which was related to Piper. Not all of it was. Uh, we're going to do our weekly quick count. We're going to do our weekly top five. We're going to do all of those things. But we do it all sort of with uh, with the hot rod in mind. There's no doubt about that. It's all brought to you by WrestleCrate. Uh, appreciate them, as always, being a part of what we do. Aaron is a proud WrestleCrate subscriber. Yes. A client. No, it's just a subscriber. Um, if you go right now to WrestleCrate.com, you can put in that code JOSENTME and get 10% off your monthly subscription. And, Aaron, I, you know, we screwed up last week. This is on us. Yeah. So do you remember how we said we were going to give away our next uh, Howie Knoll uh, uh, print? We said we were going to give out a code word that you were supposed to tell us this week. Oh, yeah. Guess what we didn't do last week? We we didn't uh, give out a code we word. We did not give out a code word. No. We did not give out a code word. So here's what I think we do. We extend last week's giveaway. Yes. Dean Ambrose, one more week. One more week. One more week. Email us, jobbingoutshow at gmail.com. And it can be anything. Basically, best email. We'll, we'll do an email of the week next week. Yeah. Anything and, that you want to – anybody who emails is registered to win. Yeah. Um, a great 8x10 print of um, an awesome... It, it's fantastic. I know you've put it up on your Facebook. I'm going to have to do that again Twitter because and, and I know everything... Got, the other thing, too, is when Roddy it, passed away, everything, everything got just, swallowed yep, up by it. Yep. So I'm going to put it out again on social media, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Are we any closer to having a show Twitter? Aaron? Yeah, we can get that. You know, I'm just saying it might be a good thing for us it, to it do at some be. point. Uh, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. I'll post it up there. Um, it's an awesome, awesome piece yeah. of art that you will love having... Um, you just got to email us, jobbingoutshow at gmail.com. It, it could be a statement, could be a question, could be a kayfabe question. We don't care. Just email us something. Correct. Uh, and by the way, just real quick, I'll tell you that Howie Knoll is a professional illustrator and caricaturist who offers custom one-of-a-kind caricature portraits in black and white and full color, as well as Walking Dead sketch covers. Howie also has a wide selection of limited edition pop culture art prints available. Ordering is easy at his website, hcknoll.com. And come back in. We'll go over what happened on Raw Monday night. This is jobbing out. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Aaron Oster. Give your child the ultimate baseball camp experience this summer. At each week-long Ripken Experience Camp, players live and breathe baseball at the nation's finest youth complex. During each week-long camp, Ripken Baseball's elite coaches work alongside former major leaguers to provide an innovative instructional experience. And every camper gets decked out in the latest high-performance gear from Under Armour. Elevate your child's on-field potential with an unforgettable week at the Ripken Experience Aberdeen. Powered by Under Armour. Register now at ripkinbaseball.com slash camps. Need to get some cash? No problem. Head to Royal Farms, step up to the ATM, and get your cash for nothing because there is no fee. Surcharge free ATM use. That's the way we do it at Royal Farms. Some retailers charge you to use their ATMs. They make you spend money just to get your money. We don't. At Royal Farms, you can come in anytime, day or night. Walk over to our ATM, take out your bank or credit card, and in just a few seconds, get your cash for nothing because it's surcharge free. Individual cardholder fees may still apply for using a Royal Farms ATM, but we won't charge you. So the next time you want to get cash at an ATM, come to Royal Farms. Because this is how we do it. Get your cash for nothing because there is no fee. Cash for nothing because there is no fee. Wrestling fans, it's time for WrestleCrate. 
WrestleCrate is a pro-wrestling-themed mystery package that appears in your mailbox every month with action figures, pop vinyls, DVDs, wrestling books, fat heads, and much, much more. Plans start at only $15 a month, and every crate contains a T-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com or BarbershopWindow.com. Those T-shirts are $19.99 by themselves. Check them out at WrestleCrate.com and follow them on Twitter, at WrestleCrates, and search WrestleCrate on Facebook. Get more than the score on a 50-word blog. Go to PressBoxOnline.com for the complete story on your favorite Baltimore and D.C. sports. High school to pros. All right, I don't know about you guys, but when my car goes up, there's nothing in the world worse than having to pick up the phone and call my mother-in-law, who I love, and say... Can I ask you a favor? Could you come get me and take me to work? Oh, it's so uncomfortable. That's why I turned to First Choice Automotive in Joppa, 710 Pulaski Highway, 410-676-5552. Free towing with all repairs. Free loaner cars with major repairs. First Choice Automotive, fcautomotive.com. Make them your first choice when it comes to your vehicle. You are now tuned in. Segment number two, it is jobbing out Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster. Thanks again to Kevin Eck for checking in with us as we remembered the uh, life of the great Rowdy Rowdy Piper in segment number one. And much like they did on Raw on Monday night, it's the way that we start the show and then we move on and we, we get back to, you know, uh, professional wrestling and uh, what's going on in the world. And uh, we'll get into our last Monday night segment here in segment number two as we look back at what happened on Raw on Monday night. It's brought to you by WrestleCrate, as always. Aaron, um, a couple things that jumped out at me from Raw this past week. One, obviously, as we just mentioned, so much of it was made about uh, uh, Piper, and deservedly so. I mean, that's the way that it should be. But I didn't think it was over the top. Um, I thought it was all very appropriate. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing that people kind of pointed out was – the one weird thing was the Miz kind of acting a little bit like a face in the way he put over Piper's pit, um, which is a little bit strange. But I don't know. There was something about it that didn't make it seem like it was forced or it, it fit in the in the environment in, in that Piper's pit where he was kind of the neutral party between Owens and Cesaro. Uh, it, it really fit in that. I, I, and again, I feel like this whole Monday night that just. The, the whole shadow of Piper's death kind of hung over the entire show. And because of it, it almost felt like a very insulated Raw. Not a lot. There wasn't a lot of storyline progression. Right. You know, there were good matches. It wasn't a bad Raw by any stretch. Obviously, the Neville Rollins match was great. The main event was fun. But it, it felt like it just a very insulated show. They didn't want to make do anything that would really push the storylines too much farther. And everything kind of occurred under the fact that this is more or less a Roddy Piper tribute show. Yeah, but yet didn't. It wasn't like they necessarily went back in every segment right. and talked about Roddy Piper. They they somehow I thought they did a good job yeah, no, with it. Was, it. it was very good. Um, I think as we would all be one to point out, unfortunately, they've had to do too much of that of late, and so they have far too much experience. Right. Uh, you wanted to talk about the segment, the Miz TV segment, and the relationship between Kevin Owens and Cesaro, and and you really liked what they did there. I I, I really enjoyed it. I I think that one of the issues they could have fallen into in this Owen Cesaro feud is that. In, in the eyes of a lot of fans, Owens and Cesaro are just so similar. They're two guys who have, you know, not the same wrestling style, but a very high-impact style. They came up through the indies. They're, they're both beloved. workers. They're both workers. They're both beloved. They both, you know, even when they're heels, they get cheered. They both, 
you know, even now people are saying, oh, the company doesn't have Kevin Owens back, et cetera, et cetera. Same with Cesaro, of course. This could have just been the same guy going at each other. But they made a very clear separation between the two. That Cesaro was, yes, Cesaro is that guy, and he wants to show it. He wants to fight. He wants to do this. And Kevin Owens is, he, he is all of those things. But he's doing it for money. He's he's willing to walk away from a fight while Cesaro's not. And I think it's a really smart thing. Like they're not they're not even necessarily saying, oh, Owens is the heel, which they are, but they're not doing it in a, just a ridiculous way. It's just that he wants to be paid for his fighting. If you right. want to cheer for Owens, sure, you can cheer for Owens, but there's a very clear character trait differentiation between the two of them. And sometimes I feel, especially with these indie guys, they failed to really capitalize on that and really make these two guys are different. There is something very specific that is different about each of these guys, and we are going to focus on that for this feud. I just didn't think that either one of them had all, anything that was terribly interesting to say. No, I mean, Miz, Miz was the most interesting person yeah. of the three. I, I, and I think that that's the, the problematic part of having those two guys in particular being involved in a Miz TV segment is for everything good that Cesaro does, he's not a promo machine. No. You know, he's a wrestler. That's why we like him is because he wrestles. Kevin Owens delivers better promos, but again, how much does he have to work with here? Right. Um, and in order for Miz TV, any of these, these, t, you know, shows they do over the years, mm-hmm. in order for them to work, it, it's gotta be way more about a promo being delivered than anything else. It just doesn't work as an interview. It doesn't. It, it's, I mean, I mean, the funny thing is that Piper's Pit was, he had these lesser guys on and he became the star of it, which works well when he's interviewing, you know, his, the guy he's right. going to feud with or right. whatever, but when he's just plopped into the middle of, of another feud, yes, he over, he outshines the other people. But it was more about his facial expression oh, and, and, and overselling yeah. everything yeah. and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, again, I think it, there was sense to putting Miz TV on this episode because it's a Roddy Piper, um, tribute. I think there was sense to a lot of it. I just don't know that these two are a great fit for a Miz TV segment. No, which is why I, I think that, honestly, it was important that they did something where Owens walks away, backs down for a fight, because this is a match, you put it on there, and the, the, you know, it sells itself. Owens versus R, it's gonna be a great match. You don't need the build to it. You're not gonna get probably a very, you know, it can, you're gonna get a fine build for it. I'm right. sure we'll get some tag team matches that are fun and everything, but it's not going to be, you know, oh my god, this blood feud with these all amazing promos and this amazing build. We're excited because we get to see Owens take on Cesaro, presumably, especially with a four-hour SummerSlam. They'll, they'll probably get 15, yeah, like 20 minutes. Match, right. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, news that comes out of this show is we do now know that both titles will be on the line in the mm-hmm. Rollins-Cena match, which I guess we know is happening. Um, there was some concern about it given Cena's broken nose. I always figured that a broken nose would not be something that could keep Cena out of a match Especially three weeks not, later. Yeah, exactly. Apparently right. he's, he missed this past week. He's going to miss this next draw. He will be back on the go-home show, which is fine. Um, you know, I, I, ideally it, you'd right. want more, but I, I, it's a bummer because you're going to be missing one of the under, like you don't have the Undertaker, and probably I'm going to guess that Brock takes another week off right. between now and SummerSlam. Right next week, yeah. It's a bummer because you're going through having other main guys on your card not there, and that's right. not a good thing. And also because, with all due respect, the most interesting about Seth Rollins for a long time was the authority, and when you don't have the authority involved either. You know, you're kind of missing a bunch from the top of your card. I, I did like his promo at the top of. Raw, I thought though. his promo was fine. I thought it was fine. 
Um, I didn't think it was. I just think that it feels like you're missing star power. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing is for whatever we want to say about Cena, obviously you're you're very anti Cena and a lot of I'm anti his character. Well, that's I'm saying you're you're anti his portrayal on television. But when he does show up, it does add something to the show, especially lately when he's had all of the open challenge. You know, there was something that. Well, and you combine it with the fact that the Intercontinental Champion is missing. Right. You combine, like, there's a lot of stuff missing right now as you're trying to build towards SummerSlam. Right. I, again, I thought they put together a good show on Monday. Mm-hmm. I think they'll put together another good show next week. Um, I just, it's, it, when you're trying to build, make SummerSlam be your second biggest. If, if this is the, the equivalent to the road of WrestleMania, right. there is something a little bit missing there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I hope that, that part of it was because, you know, was out, because the Piper thing happened, that that was kind of right. more of the issue rather than. But it wasn't than, that just they don't have juice for SummerSlam. Right. It was just that, that type of weird week. And I don't think that John Cena has to be there in order to sell the championship match either. It's just that it would be nice if there was some other, yeah, like Seth's promo, and then they put together a very nice match with Neville, right? Yeah. But how much does that really help Seth, that he put together a very nice match with Neville? I mean, he got that clean win that you wanted. He did get him. a clean win, and I do like that. I yeah. want a clean win for him. But in the process, it's with getting lucky, right? Which is fine, you know what I mean? That makes Neville look strong. Right. But and and I, I like the way that they did it. For, I, and I have to say, I love the way that... You know, you did the, the close near fall with that, that backslide part that, you know, they kept going back to. And then when Neville eventually hit the red arrow, it wasn't a kick out. It no, wasn't it was a, it pure was pure dumb luck. He, it was, it was too aggressive. Too aggressive. But I loved that about it, that you, they didn't rely on the same, okay, each of you are going to get one kick out on the opponent's finisher, and then the person who hits the second finisher is going to end up winning I, this match. Because that, that's a right. pattern they've fallen into for big matches. A pattern they've fallen into a little bit too much lately, and I really appreciate the fact that instead of kicking out of the red arrow, which uh, in my mind reduces the effectiveness of the red arrow, uh, they just, you know, he was near the ropes. Right. It was perfectly right. logical. It was great. Um, I, I'll say this. I feel like with everybody they've been missing the last couple of weeks, what ends up happening is what we saw on Monday night, which is, okay, you had a very justifiable, you know, main event match. It featured big names in a fun three-on-three match. It, was, it, was, but it, it felt like a dark match. It, that's the thing. It felt like a dark match, and two, it just didn't feel like there was that much energy in the building for it. Like, it felt like they were sort of more like, oh, this is this is it. This is what we're getting tonight. Like, this is the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like they were more like, shouldn't there be something else important yeah, that I, happens? I, I, was, I was fully expecting that a third member would run out and, you yeah, know, officially join the White something family. Something along those lines. Something that and, made it feel bigger. And, again, I wonder how much of it was that they wanted to keep this more or less a tribute to Piper and I yeah. I understand what you're saying but I feel like it also has a lot to do with what can you do with Seth when there's no authority right. there's no John Cena what your main event your championship well, you did, you, match, I don't you do think you them? have to have Seth necessarily I think you have to have something big and they had you know they had six of their biggest guys I mean, but they're on all in at they're all in at best the third match on the card for SummerSlam yeah at best right right like one of those two matches is probably the third match on the card Right. Probably. Probably. Um, so at best, those guys are in the third, they're in the third or fourth match on the card. Right. And that's what your main event is, two weeks before SummerSlam. That's fine. I'm not, again, it's not me saying it was awful. Again, the match was fun. It was, it, 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 it was, it was an entertaining match. They, but it feels more like the type of match that you should have at, you know, 10 o'clock. And then it builds towards something at the end of the match that's from one of your most important performers. I, I go back and again, I'm, I'm 
in the process of watching all the Attitude Era Raws on the WWE Network, and this is something they did a lot in the Attitude Era. It wasn't always, granted, a lot of the time, you know, Austin finished off Raw or whatever. They had their stars wrestle in main events more often than not. More often than not, but sometimes they would have, for example, uh, I'm, you know, in early 98 right now, so this is the rise of the rock and rise of the nation of domination, and they would have the nation of domination compete in the main event. They would have Triple H and Owen Hart, and this was, this was not when they, they were, but I, I think the one thing to keep in mind, if one of these factions felt like it mattered, I think that's also one of the problems we're having right now, is that this duo of Roman Reigns and uh, Dean Ambrose just sort of feels like kind of a forced thing. And the Wyatt family hasn't had juice in 14 months. Right. That, that It just doesn't feel real. You know what I mean? That nothing about it feels like it matters. Whereas Nation Domination was a factor that felt like it mattered when they came out. It was a faction, I mean. Yeah, you, felt you, like, you, could, you could debate that, but yeah, it, it definitely mattered more. Than it this. certainly mattered, right? Yes. And that's the, the point that I'm trying to make is, look, when the Shield was main eventing, you know, like a Raw a year right. ago, nobody was going to have a yell and scream about it. That was a great idea. Right. Obviously, it would be more than a year ago. But, um, that, of course, the Shield felt like they mattered. When right. they did something, it made sense. Right now, it's just that you, you only have two matches on this card that really feel like they matter. That really feel like something big is happening, in part because we've seen some of these other things before. That Randy Orton and Sheamus are facing each other again, and again, it's for nothing. Right. Like, there's nothing at stake. If they were facing each other for the briefcase... I, I, I still don't understand why they're... Like, I, I thought that, you know, Randy Orton hit it with the RK. Why Why is Randy Orton still going after Sheamus? That's, I, the, I, the, that, that's the one thing I don't understand about the, that match. The I, only thing that would make it make sense is, again, okay, now that I beat you, now I deserve a shot at your briefcase. Great. Yes. And that match suddenly feels like it yes. matters, yes. and then justification of putting those guys in a main event on Raw Correct. feels like it matters that much more yeah. because there's this underlying factor of... Two guys that are trying to become the next champion. Right. Um, it, this this whole thing just didn't really feel like it mattered, and it's more in the audience. It didn't feel like it mattered. Like they were into it, and they, the ex- they were, and, and they were into Roman Reigns a lot more than I thought, especially because that, that was a very a surprisingly smarky crowd. It didn't seem like they were that into Dean Ambrose. See, Dean Ambrose, I, I I'm a little, you know, I, I've said it a few months ago. I was getting a little concerned with him, and and one of the things that I'm I, I kind of I get a new view on it because one of our friends who we uh, brought to a wrestling show for the first time oh, a few right, weeks yeah. ago, he actually has gotten into wrestling since then. So I'm now getting to see things through his lens. He's not into Dean Ambrose at all. He is. He says that he he can't take him seriously. He uh, that he has no credibility. He looks ridiculous in the ring and basically can't suspend his disbelief no, that's the when problem. it comes to the, Dean Ambrose. Probably he's not doing. And again, he hasn't done, done anything, anything that matters. Right. Exactly. But um, it's interesting that we're getting. I, I think there's starting to be a little bit of a pushback. Not a pushback. That's that's the wrong uh, word. But people are wondering, uh, aren't necessarily as entertained with Dean Ambrose right. any, anymore. There's nothing interesting about him right um, now. I think actually the most interesting thing about this main event was just this is the first time that we've done something like, okay, we're going to put Bray Wyatt in a six-man match into the main event. We've done it before, but it was always Bray kind of – was just put in at the end and didn't really interact with his teammates. So he was just kind of there. We saw Sheamus in the back in the smoky room in the promo. Them, right. And and I had talked about this a few months ago, how Bray Wyatt, because he only exists in the bubble of whatever feud he is, it, it's hard to be more than the third or fourth. It's hard to feel like it really matters. And one thing I thought that they did well was putting Sheamus there 
and and have Bray Wyatt interact with someone besides the people he's feuding with. And I think that's an important step for Bray Wyatt. Maybe. Maybe that's true. Right, let me give you this other thought, which would be you have a depleted tag division, and for some reason they're afraid of just doing what I think they should do, which is – make it New Day versus primetime players for seven straight pay-per-views, which I would have no problem with because yeah. I'm so in on all of them. Right. But instead they're forcing in the Lucha Dragons and the Luchadors and the, the Ascension were only there as a placeholder, I think, this week. Right. And I have no problem with, again, one-off matches just to make it more interesting. But you've done this thing where the other three tag teams, and I look, maybe the Lucha Dragons are great, yeah. but they don't matter. They don't. And it just feels like you're dragging them into something where they don't really fit right now. What you could make interesting if you wanted to inject life, if you wanted other bodies involved with your tag division, boy, putting Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper in there and doing something with them that felt like mattered would be awfully good for them. Putting Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose in there would be awfully good for them, frankly, right now, when it feels like what they're doing doesn't matter. Um, These are the types of things that I just – I feel like they're really struggling, and I've said this over and over again – with telling me why it matters. Yeah. Why does this matter? Even when they were doing the Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt thing and it was the weird anybody but you. Yeah. I didn't think it was great, and yet it was still better than what we're getting right now. There's no reason for these guys to be scoring off. There's no logical explanation for why Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose have a problem with Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. Well, it does, it's it's a it's a it's if you're basing on this flimsy Dean Ambrose is Roman Reigns' friend, right. and, well, you and, know, and, Luke and, Harper screwed Roman Reigns out of winning a match at Battleground. Sure. That also didn't mean anything. Well, I mean, if you're going to say, hold on, hold on, you, you say doesn't mean anything. One of the things that, and you're right to an extent, doesn't mean anything, but one of the things that WWE has gotten away from that I hope that they turn around is that singles matches, singles matches should matter with or without a belt. I agree with that. And I agree with you that... In the most part, they've gotten away with it, and they don't know how to do feuds without putting a belt or something like a Money in the Bank briefcase, something tangible on the line. If you're saying that Roman Reigns is pissed off because he lost a match, lost a big pay-per-view match, that's a good thing. That's but not a bad why thing. Why did Roman Reigns ever care? He sh- Because he should. You should care about every win or loss, every big pay-per-view match that you have. If, 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 Battleground is not a big pay-per-view. It, well, every pay-per-view match that you have. <laughs> I, I mean, hypothetically right now, if this was, let's say this was UFC, if this was a fighting, you know, if, if we are believing that this is a, you know, a competition where they're trying to get to the top of it, Bray Wyatt just leaped Roman Reigns in the totem pole. He's farther ahead, closer to the title than Roman Reigns is right now. But they've done nothing to show that. Well, and that, but if they're saying now, I'm pissed off that I lost this match, that's a good thing. At some point, you have to show these things. It Again, I mean, everything that you just presented, while still not like a concrete... Well, but, but that should be inherent. to the. That should be inherent. Be inherent. That, no, I, I wholeheartedly well, no, 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 disagree. No, no, no. Wins or losses. Caring about wins or losses should be an inherent... Unless... Then we have to rewrite all of WWE history. No, 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 no. Back in early WWE, wins and early wrestling, wins and losses did matter. But there weren't as many pay-per-views. There weren't as many matches that mattered. I'm talking about every match. Every win and loss. There's something that... I can't remember what company. It might have been TNA or Ring of Honor, where they started to compile standings. They started to compile win-loss records. I, I love that. And that's great. And and I'm saying that wins and losses, having them matter. I think it'd be great. I, I, I agree that you're saying that they don't matter that's at this point. But I'm saying it should be an inherent thing in wrestling. 
where you don't have to explain it. It's, that's a, it's a great concept, but it's not. Well, it it's, should. It's it, not every every especially every every. If you say that raw TV matches don't matter, fine. I'm okay with. Saying I think, that. by the way, it'd be a great idea to do something where you had rankings or something like. That. But it would require so much forethought, foresight, mm-hmm. in order to be able to pull that off. They can't even include foresight on the King of the Ring. <laughs> You're right they about that. They can't even do it on. You know, why do we have a Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? They can't even these little things. Right. The only thing they can include any foresight on now anymore is the Royal Rumble. That's it. And they decide that winner six months ahead of time, so by the time we get there, we're sick of the idea to the point where it's just going to piss us off. Right. These little things. Right. All you got to do is say, we're going to create a king of the ring so that the guy that wins it, it matters somehow. Right, exactly. Or we're going to create a whatever so that this matters a little but, bit. And they can't even do that. But now, but you're just saying right now, it doesn't matter. They're trying to make it matter. They're trying to make it so Roman Reigns is pissed over a loss. you have to show that. Well, Roman Reigns is pissed over a loss. I think that's showing it enough that the loss matters to him. Okay, why does Dean Ambrose care? Because uh, his buddy is getting... Okay, why, why don't... Why don't why, why, explain that. Why is it so important to Dean Ambrose? Because, um, they made it important. They they showed, but they that didn't he, really. They just want you to accept that it is. Well, they've accepted that they are friends. We, right. We, we've shown it. We're that friends. They, so if we're so, friends, then obviously we got to get involved in each other's well, business. Well, if if you're friend, if if you're well, not a I, faction, I know that, not, I know that you're a jerk, so you, you probably would. But if no, you saw on. your friend getting double teamed right. constantly, would, would you not? That doesn't jump mean in? that I necessarily want a pay per view match. But would you jump? I might in and defend get him. I might run down. Where was he that night? Where was Dean Ambrose at Battleground? He, he got he got caught off guard. That's the problem, Aaron. You're he trying got, to sell no, me on this. He got, he's he got to be this knight in shining well, armor, hey, but he wasn't when it happened. But the the next night, he was ready for it. Oh man, now I'm in. He, now now it doesn't in. really make a whole hey, lot of sense to me to get in. I'm in. He was in the bathroom during the first one. You're trying to that, sell this kind con- It would take so little work for them to say something along the lines of just pull him back and be like, dude, you had my back blank. Now I got to have your back. That's such a small thing to do, but would go a long way in explaining why it I, makes sense. I mean, I don't think that you have to say that. I think I feel like – God, I feel like AJ now. It's like, yeah, they're, you're they're, trying to do that. No, um – you know, when you have them going, hey, you win, we're going out and getting beers later. When you're doing this for two or three months where every segment they're like, you know, we're brothers, we're friends, we're parties. It's just felt weird. It hasn't felt like any of it I, mattered. I, but see, you go back to the mattering. I do. And it does matter. Again, it matters in the case that it's now a, okay, so that match mattered, he lost, he wanted his revenge, and he got two-on-one, you know, he got two-on-test. But now he doesn't even get to avenge his one-on-one loss to Bray Wyatt. Well, maybe he now does. Now Dean Ambrose has screwed him over. <laughs> well, he wasn't going to get a one-on-one because I mean, Luke Harper was there. Well, you just say, you, you're in charge of keeping Harper away so I can go get my one-on-one match against Bray Wyatt. Well, you know what? If they had done that, I would have been fine with that. I mean, Especially I just, if they're just going through the tag match back to this stuff. Of it just takes a little bit more work. Just I, a little but, bit. But I don't, I don't think that them saying, hey, you got my back, I got yours, makes it any different. No, I think if you give a reason. If you give a reason why. I, I, and what are you showing in this package? When you put together your pre-fight package for this match, what are you showing? You are showing, okay, obviously you're showing the Luke, the, you're showing scene, you know, the, the first match, mm-hmm. you're showing Harper attack, uh-huh. you're showing the two-on-one beatdown on uh-huh. Raw, you, you flash back to them, you know, clinking beers backstage and being all buddy-buddy, 
Then you switch to the hard rock that's music, and, that's and, and, and Ambrose runs in. I just, just want to know. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good package right it's there. Okay. I, think. I mean, that's a it's pretty okay. good package. And by WWE means it is okay. Like that, that's a decent package. Yeah, right I don't, I don't think that you have sold me on why I give a shit. About I mean, this. that's like saying, you know, uh, you know, if if Matt Hardy was in, it didn't make sense for Jeff Hardy to run it. Of course, it made no, sense. Yeah, they were those attacking. guys had the same last name. Well, okay, but they were partners. They were but friends. These guys weren't really about, about partners. The, of course, they were. They, they were they, in the Shield. They were in the Shield, and they spent the past three months telling us how Just much they love buddies. each other. That's all how they've much done. They're friends. There's been no like celebrate. The two of us are going to go on to do great things. It's just they've been, been like, in tag team matches together. They've, how many? Several. Quite a few, both on Raw and SmackDown. Nah, I don't watch SmackDown. You do have to keep that in mind. Okay, but you should still... I mean, they, they show replays. I don't care sense. about SmackDown. Oh, I know, but gonna, they, they show... You're not going to make me care, they, Aaron. They, they show the replay. I don't watch SmackDown for the most part either, but they show the replays on Raw every week. That's why I always but, um, go to BaltimoreSun.com for my SmackDown recap. No. <laughs> no, you do not, actually. <laughs> if you did that, you would not find it there. But no, I mean... If you have two guys who are friends, it makes sense. Like that to say that it doesn't make no, sense I, that Dean I, Ambrose I would come out. I disagree. That's crazy. I, no, and the only reason I disagree is because I think that you're what you're coming off is very loose, and I think it gets it's the bare minimum of what you can do. You can do this. Look, nobody's really complaining about Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose facing Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper because to some extent all those guys are kind of important, and so and it makes sense. No, it doesn't. It really. does. You're, you're going to keep just saying that because you're going to think at some point it's just going to become true, well, but. <laughs> Just, I mean, with a little bit of work, with just a little bit of work, you can tell a real story. You can tell why this is a blood feud. Okay, and, and, and still... I agree with you that that no, I agree with you one hundred percent, one hundred percent there. That I still don't understand why why it is still going come after back to Reigns. This very minimal. Yes. For some reason, Bray Wyatt was going after Roman Reigns and saying anybody but you. I, I, I still don't know why. That I but agree for some with. reason it was, and Roman Reigns didn't like that. And then he loses the match. But again, he only was in the match because he didn't like the Bray Wyatt was going after him. So if Bray Wyatt was willing to move on afterwards, why do I care? I should just move on. But instead, I'm going to have my buddy who just has nothing else to do, frankly, come over and tag with me, and we're going to face the well, two no, of no, them, no. and it's going to accomplish everything something. Everything since Battleground makes sense. It's everything before Battleground that didn't make sense. Uh, I, I still think it's a very loose term that using makes sense. I, I think it makes perfect sense. I think but, but all of it comes back to the, with just a little bit more work, you can take what otherwise is a fine if, match and turn it into a true blood if, feud. If, if a heel cheats to beat a face, the face should always want retribution. That's fine. That makes sense for the face. Now you're just tagging your buddy along for the sake of tagging him along. No, because you have a two-on-one situation. If you let the other, t- if you agreed to that, but you don't have to have a two-on-one situation. Yes, because Harper's always running Again, in. Then ask Dean to be your security guard for the match and have him keep an eye on Harper. You have not explained at all why. Well, Dean and Ambrose... maybe he wants, maybe Roman Reigns also wants to get his hands on Harper as well because oh, he. he be... Then, then explain that. I mean, to, to, to get attacked by a guy. I don't think requires. You're right. He, they could throw in a line, a single line, saying it's "You beat just me." A little bit of word. But I don't. I see that. I think is no, no, no. Very you're about to say that. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're so if, wrong. If someone attacks you, know you, professional wrestling fans, you're so wrong about this. Professional wrestling fans are the worst. I agree with that. You are the worst. No, I <laughs> am the worst. That's a good point. But I mean, they're the dumbest. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I, I think in this case, from the moment that it hit Battleground on, this has been a pretty self-explanatory right. We're just going to keep running around in circles. Yes, so we why, are. 
Why don't we just briefly um, mention that the Brock Lesnar promo was amazing? Because of course, of course it, was, it was amazing. Because Paul Heyman is amazing. God damn, he's great. And then I, I just just one more thought on the Divas thing. You, obviously, you're right at this point that clearly all they're doing is just trying to buy enough time to uh, reach the point where uh, Nikki has passed AJ. AJ's record. Yeah. And you know that's stupid, but I kind of get it. Why you couldn't just say, "Hey, you got to go defend the belt a couple more times." You, they're running out of people. For, for to be fair, I get it in the fact that. She had already run over the entire Divas division. Okay, and then you injected three more. But th- but you don't want her to run over the new Divas. You don't want her to run over them. I I get that completely. That yeah, makes a I, lot. I of just sense. think it makes it all. This no all no, my- no. I mean, I don't think it's clean. I don't think it's wonderful, and I don't think that they should be planning. I think it's- Actually, here's here's the other possibility that I I heard that I kind of liked. So they're they're really playing this up. About they're they're mentioning a you know that she's second she's now second longest reign. What if they're doing it and this would require them to fully establish the Bellas as heels, which they're never probably going to do. Establish anyone as a heel, <laughs> right? Other than I, I guess you can say that that Naomi and Tamina are maybe, heels. but I don't. I think that's just us sort of thinking they are. More yeah. than the fact they've actually done anything to make. But it um, what if they do it so? A few weeks before, a week or two before she were, Charlotte's the conquering hero or something like that. Charlotte prevents her from becoming this longest reigning. That would at least be somewhat interesting rather than, haha, we want to get, erase AJ Lee from the record books. Um, I mean, I hear you. And again, you'd have to build it as, this is the, the face conquering the heel to prevent her from taking, you know, this great record. Which they probably won't do, but it would at least be an interesting way to go about doing it. Look, I, I, I hear you. I don't think it's where they're headed, and I think in the meantime, again, all you got to do. This is not the end of the world if it if there's a point to it. If you're gonna throw these three teams against each other in a match at SummerSlam, why? Yeah. And we, I still don't know why Sasha is with right. Naomi and Tamina. What are you getting out of it? Explain it. By the way, could, could they have picked a worse name than the Submission Sorority? It's not good. It's, it's not good. It's it's not good, and it's also for uh, someone, a company that has complained about what happens when you Google a certain Yeah, person. I saw a couple people mentioning that. This I, I have not Googled I, it, but... I, I think that, that maybe there's... Because, again, the alliteration... Well, no, well hold on. Right. But when they have come out and publicly said we're okay. not – we I, don't want anyone to I, get bad I results under, when you Google. I understand what you're saying, but at the same point, I don't think that they can now hide themselves from any name. Submission sorority is not the name of a porn site. It's just something that could be kind of similar. I, I don't know. Some, is it, I, I legitimately don't know because I haven't Googled it. It makes it sound like people are – there is something out there. Are we going to Google it right now I'm to find Google out? Google it right now. All right. And uh, we will – well, let me make sure so. the uh, computer... Oh, calm down. <laughs> it's going to come up with a Google results page no, first. No, that's true. Submission sorority. The submission sorority. The first one, two, three. Nope, the first two are um, WWE related. Okay. The third, real sorority hazing submission from college. It's not a news story. It is actually porn. <laughs> but it's the third. It's, it's the, the third. And on the first page, it's the only one. Is it? Okay. It's the only one. That's well, that's still the third. <laughs> I hear you. And if they went ahead and Googled it on Monday night? Before there were a bunch of stories about the submission. It, was, the, I, it was number well, one. Well, I don't know. No, uh, it definitely was. Probably. If it, if it was number three and the WWE hadn't put anything out about it yet, it was almost certainly number one. No, no, no. There's, in the top 20, there's more, like, um, 
Like this website's like, send us pictures of your – submit a picture of your sorority. Okay. <laughs> like there's that one. Submit sorority sugar is what it's called. Just gotcha. we love sororities. Send us pictures of you and your girlfriends gotcha. having a pillow fight or whatever it is that you do. So there's other – Things that are unrelated to either one that come up when you search. I think that there's too much made of that. I yeah, think that that's, I, I do too, but I, it, I it's actually just, think, it's funny. I actually think the name is kind of clever. You know what I mean? I think it's kind of clever. I think it's okay. I think we're. I, I can't believe it's the roles are flipping here. I think that we're being. I think. That we're, I think. No, that, I mean, I just. I just. I, I don't. Our want frust- the name. I think our frustration is with the entire situation in general. That you injected these three girls that we like everybody wanted right. to see into the divas division, and they're getting all changed. these. They're getting all these wins that don't matter. You're right. It, that don't, we, we still don't know why they're factioned off. We still don't know. Right. And if this is all about making a change and tired of Nikki running all over it, why hasn't anyone challenged her for the title Correct. yet? Correct. Like, that, that's the the, all they're doing is beating the tar out of her sister. They're winning 100 well, matches against fair, her sister. Nick, Nikki did tap out to Charlotte right. at Raw. Okay, so what comes from that? <laughs> Apparently nothing. nothing. Right. Zero. Hey, you got to be the Divas champion. Wonderful. Do yep. I get a match? No. 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 Instead, you and these two random girls that we paired you off with have to be these three random girls and these three random girls for no particular reason whatsoever. Nothing's going to come from whoever wins. You're not going to be in charge of the Divas division. That's Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> and Stephanie McMahon is going to get credit for everything that happens. None of it makes a lick of sense. All right, there you go. Anything else we need to cover from Raw? That was pretty uh, much it, right? Oh, I, yeah, Stephen Amell officially next week. I'm excited about right, that. We'll see what happens. I'm excited that. about it. Yeah, yeah, okay, we'll no. see. Yeah. Yeah. Right, very good. There you go. That's oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. There, there is one more thing I want uh-huh. to talk about really, really briefly. The uh, the, the whole Contra, the Make-A-Wish Kid thing that was kind of awesome. I don't know if you saw the video. I saw the video, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just another case where uh, WWE... They've done the Make-A-Wish thing really well over the years. Well, yeah, but this was especially good. Bring him out, having him sign a contract, naming, you know, being, signing it as Drax Shadow or whatever, having Stardust come out with him and and doing it in front of of a full crowd like that. I, I just thought it was great. Yeah. They did the same thing with the um, the kid for for ESPN, where they brought him out in front of the full crowd during the commercial break when we were Well, there. yeah, but didn't sign a contract. wasn't a full, like, okay, here's a name, here's a full... But they did that on Raw the one night, where they brought the four kids out on the stage and gave them all names. and Did they? Oh, yeah, yeah I remember that was a few yeah, years. I mean, yeah. They've done that yeah. stuff before. They, they've done, but I, you know... I did want one more thought. What's worse, not being on Raw or having to face and nearly lose to Zack Ryder on Raw? <laughs> Seriously, uh, what's what, more harmful what, to Wade Barrett's character? Just not being there at all? It, I mean, or that le- being le- the way legitimately, when they came out, I wondered who was going to win. Oh, 100% you did. Like, that, that's a problem. 100%. All right, we'll grab a break here. When we come back in, we will uh, go over uh, three stories uh, that we have not had a chance to talk about yet. We call it the quick count and our weekly top five. That's on the way. Segment number three. It is Jobbing Out. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Aaron Oster. Need to get some cash? No problem. Head to Royal Farms, step up to the ATM, and... Get your cash for nothing, cause there is no fee. Yep, that's the way we do it at Royal Farms. Some retailers charge to use their ATMs. We don't. Our ATMs are surcharge free, so you can always get... Cash for nothing, cause there is no fee. At all Royal Farms ATMs. Individual cardholder fees may still apply. 
Give your child the ultimate baseball camp experience this summer. At each week-long Ripken Experience Camp, players live and breathe baseball at the nation's finest youth complex. During each week-long camp, Ripken Baseball's elite coaches work alongside former major leaguers to provide an innovative instructional experience. And every camper gets decked out in the latest high-performance gear from Under Armour. Elevate your child's on-field potential with an unforgettable week at the Ripken Experience Aberdeen. Powered by Under Armour. Register now at ripkenbaseball.com slash camps. Don't be the guy that has to call your mother-in-law like I've had to in the past and beg for a ride when something's wrong with your vehicle. Take it to First Choice Automotive in Joppa. 410-676-5552. Dave and Chrissy know your car is your life. Free loaner cars with major repairs. Free towing to and from at First Choice Automotive. 410-676-5552 on the web. FCAutomotive.com. Get more than the score on a 50-word blog. Go to PressBoxOnline.com for the complete story on your favorite Baltimore and D.C. sports. High school to pros. Wrestling fans, it's time for WrestleCrate. WrestleCrate is a pro-wrestling-themed mystery package that appears in your mailbox every month with action figures, pop vinyls, DVDs, wrestling books, fat heads, and much, much more. Plans start at only $15 a month, and every crate contains a T-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com or BarbershopWindow.com. Those T-shirts are $19.99 by themselves. Check them out at WrestleCrate.com and follow them on Twitter, at WrestleCrates, and search WrestleCrate on Facebook. Welcome back in. It is segment number three of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark and Aaron Oster with you all brought to you by WrestleCrate. Aaron, um, do you remember which T-shirt you got from WrestleCrate? I, I did. I remembered last week, I actually. Know, I know. Hey, and, and, know. and to be fair, and you haven't commented on the jersey. I'm you right are now. wearing your Shane O'Mac jersey, which and, and, I like And a that lot. was what I got on the same day as the WrestleCrate, which is why oh, I why you're so excited. forgot the right. T-shirt. So to, to be right. fair, there was a reason. But no, it was, it was a great uh, Jushin Thunder Liger shirt, which you'll be able to see at NXT. At NXT the night before uh, SummerSlam. That's right. Uh, facing uh, probably Prince Pretty, which should be a fun Ooh, match. Very interesting. But, uh, yeah, you know, I got that. I got my Randy Orton, uh, Mattel Elite Limited. The thing. Invasion. Yes, the, the the Elite thing. So that that was very cool. I got a, a Rhino-signed picture. Nice. That was that Very was, nice. Yeah. ECW uh, legend. ECW and NXT competitor. Right. That's right. He's on. And, uh, you know, it was it was really good. It was a great wrestle crate. It's always a great wrestle crate every month. And if you're not signed up, you are not doing wrestling fandom correctly. I would tend to wait. What are you trying to say? WrestleCrate.com. <laughs> use the code Jobbing or J O sent me. I was about to say the whole thing. No, it's just J O sent me. Get 10% off your subscription to WrestleCrate. We appreciate the, them being a part of everything. Appreciate the love. And everybody's more and more of the wrestling nerds are f- discovering wrestling WrestleCrate mm-hmm. right now and are freaking out about it. Oh, like, dude, this is so cool. It's such a great yep. way for me to spend. It's not that expensive. I get a ton of great goodies every month. It's perfect. It's yep. absolutely perfect yep. for the wrestling fan in your life. All right, let's get into our quick count. Three stories we haven't had a chance to talk about yet that we want to talk about now. Aaron, we always allow you, our uh, resident nerd, to go off the reservation a little bit. A non-WWE-related story. which got for us this week for number one? Uh, well, we are in the midst of uh, Lucha Underground's finale, Ultima, Ultima Lucha right now. It is a two-week event. We are recording on Wednesday morning. So by the time you hear this, you are very lucky, and I am jealous of you because you have gotten to see the last two hours of Ultima Lucha by the time <laughs> you are hearing it. And... Um, I just love I, – I love the idea – I mean, obviously, I've talked about Lucha Underground a lot in the past. I just I, – I love what they're doing with it. 
But I really like the idea of a true season finale. It's something we, you know, we used to kind of get that in WrestleMania, where that would kind of tie up a lot of the storylines and stuff. It doesn't really do that anymore. It's just kind of another cog. It's a big cog, but it's just another cog in the endless wheel. I really like the idea of, hey, this is a season finale. This is going to be like a classic television season finale. Every All of our storylines are building up to this moment, and it's going to set the stage after a probably two- or three-month break for season two. And I, I like the concept. I think that more smaller companies should think about that sort I've of concept. Thought taking time off would be a good idea for everyone. Yeah. I've thought about this at WWE, like well, a summer break. Yeah. Like a- well, I don't think – I don't think a summer break is net because one of the advantages WWE has over every other form of entertainment is that it's there every week. However, as far as for the guys, uh, okay, I would say that yes, that maybe it's not the entire card that gets a summer break, but let's just say. Oh that- well, no, I mean I've I've advocated for a while that everyone should be required in their contract that they take two months off of every year. I think so too. That you just you you have um, and you spread it out. I understand that, and yeah. I think that when they were doing the Raw SmackDown thing. You know, there was there was ways to get away with this where they could have had a bunch of guys taking right. off at the same time. Um, I think right now you're 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 no, I mean, you can that, only that, have that, one or two absolutely. guys taking Though, off. Of course, of course, with with the way that they're taping, anyways, that they get a lot of time off, anyways. They want to because right. they're taping, you know, two months, three months at a time. Right. But um, I just I like, like the idea from a just a strict television standpoint that I know that all the storylines from moment one. From from the first episode of the season is going to tie up, in, up in Ultima Lucha. I think it's really good, and I think it's it's shocking that it's taken this long for someone in wrestling to try to do it. I think everyone's just kind of seen like, oh, wrestling's supposed to be year round, right? It never it. ends. Yeah, yeah. And um, so kudos for everyone who's like, no, we we can do this like a real television show. So I I and the the matches are great, and yeah. I can I'm, dig I'm that. excited for that. I can dig that. Um, also, we know that this weekend is uh, AAA Triple Mania. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, that's going to be a big show, of course. Mysticies and Rey Mysterio. The the match we should have had it seemed like the past four WrestleManias. Right. Every year, it was, oh Wrestle, you know WWE's going to try to set the record for most people in lucha masks in the stadium right, because right. they're going to have Rey and Sin Cara go on at one another, but. They're going at it, and it'll be in a lucha style. So everyone is like, "Oh, it's Botch Cara going." No, no, no. This is Mysticies in his regular format, where he won't be botching because he's not trying so hard to, you know, work aside like the WWE does. They're doing the lucha style. Brian Cage, uh, who's fantastic against Alberto El Patron, Alberto Del Rio. That's great. A lot of tr- the six-man tag matches they have going on. Again, just very, very good. And again, it's simply the the first English language broadcast for AAA in 21 years. First U.S. pay-per-view. Last time they did it, it was when Worlds Collide, which is considered one of the greatest shows uh, of the 90s, at least if not of right, all time. Right. And so, if you have time, if you have the money to spend, I would highly recommend Sunday night going ahead and watching Triple H Triple Mania. Very good. Uh, number two, some interesting comments on Twitter. And it was innocuous, but it certainly led to a lot of defensiveness uh, from professional wrestlers from one Dana White. Um, yeah, someone that this was in the build to the, the R- Rousey fight. Someone tweeted at him and was complaining, oh, how, how can you charge $60 for a pay-per-view? WWE, they love their fans. They only charge $10. And Dana says something along the lines of, yeah, well, that's a fake sport. It should cost well, less. That's that fake shit, bro. Yeah, fa- that's that fake shit. It should cost less. Right. Um, 
which, and of course, caused an uproar, and a and lot of the wrestlers were... A bunch of professional wrestlers tweeting back at Dana White with the pictures of them with bloodied faces and... Broken legs. Yes, yeah. and yeah, you think this is fake? Something along those lines. Yep. Um, I, the couple of thoughts that I have on it. One, he's right. <laughs> like, let's be willing to admit this. He is right. That, yes, um, real sports... And I, I, well, Matt, you know what? I don't know if he's right. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm like be, starting be, to think be, about it. As because, no, I mean, I'm, hypothetically, the WWE should put on a better program because they can script right, every they match. Can but I will say this, though. It should matter more what's happening in the UFC. Like, the results, you should have to watch every card more than you have to watch in the WWE because the results really do matter. It is the only thing that matters in, in the UFC is right. the results. Whereas in the WWE... Your promo that you cut on Monday night matters almost as much as the result of your match at right. a pay-per-view. And so for that reason, he's right. It should be more significant that you have to watch the UFC pay-per-views. Doesn't mean that it has been or that it is, but it should be because the only thing that matters in that, because it's a sport, is the results. And so the only way to get the results would be to watch the pay-per-view. Now, here's the real question about all this, and obviously there's the uproar and everything. Why did Dana White say it? Dana White is not a stupid person. But it didn't come off in like a way that – and that's the problem. It comes off more as it was like an emotional reaction to – he probably responds to too many tweets. Well, I mean, then that might be. I don't. I don't follow Dana White that closely, yeah. so maybe he. Does I don't. I don't think this was like troll. something he had planned uh, ahead of time. Well, you and, know what? I'm. I'm wondering. Eh. I'm wondering, especially with all of the Rousey talk, I with, with him coming out saying, "No, there's no but way she'll ever." He has been on friendly terms with WWE in the past, and, and seems, that's my point. Is it, he's been on friendly terms? It seems to me more like he was legitimately just responding to one kid and. Said something that if he had thought about later, he could have worded. But this is Dana's thing. Like, he's the guy that cusses in press conferences. And, you know, that's the reason why a lot of mainstream media has struggled to take him seriously and take their product seriously. Because he doesn't play by everybody else's rules. He's right. It is fake. We all know that. Like, we're all understanding of that. And wrestlers can get as defensive as they want. I don't think it was Dana White taking a shot at the wrestlers. No. I don't think – and again, as some people pointed out, hey, by the way, your biggest star was 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 a WWE guy. And I think he knows all of that. And I don't think that he's a stupid guy. I I, think that he – He he allowed WWE to use the footage of the Rousey post-fight after – on on Raw. I just think it was an inarticulate way of trying to make what is a legitimate point, which is our stuff should – matter more. Now, there is an issue that I think Dana White is facing, whereas you're charging 60 bucks for a pay-per-view, and I think the WWE, because they used to be the same amount of money, the WWE dipping their price so low does look bad for the UFC. It looks bad. Here's the other thing I'll tell you. The reason why all these companies charge so much money for pay-per-views is because people will pay it. Well, one, people will pay it, but also because they assume that people are gathering together Mm -hmm. to pay for it, right? Right. So if ten people get together and watch something and we only charge ten bucks for it, well, then we're only making a dollar a person. But if we charge sixty dollars for it, we're making, you know, six dollars a person. Right. The argument would be that if it's available for ten bucks, then people might stop gathering but yet still all buy it. I actually think that there's some world where you might stand to do better business by having it available for a cheaper price. Because now I always prefer to watch sporting events in the privacy of my own home. I just do. Mm-hmm. I can watch pantsless. I don't care for pants. Especially, I don't want to wear them. Especially if it's going to be 1231 in the morning. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I can drink my own beer. I can eat my own food. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't want to gather with other people. 
But if I have the option of paying ten bucks for a UFC right. pay per view that I I'm interested in, I'm it might be that all ten of the people that we're going to gather at our friend's house to watch might choose to watch it on their own and pay the money. It's possible. It's possible. I, I you know I I'm not a going to pretend to be an economist here and right. Uh, I, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I just think that it's something that he should probably keep in mind as people bring up this com you know this combination. By the way, as we brought up last week. I don't think that the WWE has done everything perfectly in, with the WWE Network, but it's worked. Yep. You know, I would say right now we call it a success. I mean, based on their their you know their financial offering last year, it seems like it is. You right. Know, they, they're getting to where they expect it to be. Right. And I think that there are ways that other companies can look at that and say, okay, what can we do to try to replicate this? How can we take it into our own hands and try to right. make it something? That we now profit off of. And the WWE had to go toe to toe with these big cable companies to make sure that they didn't drop, um, you know, their WWE programming as a whole over the WWE. And they did. They went toe to toe with them. They said, right. we're going to stand up and this is the way it's going to go. And it worked. And I think that they, they, guys like Dana White, instead of being uber defensive, could maybe learn a thing or two from what yep. the WWE has done. Number three. Is that, are we, are we good? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you okay? You oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, so, so, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 you somewhere else? You're like you know, on vacation right now? No, no, no. Okay. No, All right. Number, number three. Uh, there was a podcast this week after Raw. These have happened a few times in the WWE Network short history. Um, most of them hosted by Stone Cold. A couple of them hosted by Chris Jericho. Yep. Both noted podcasters, which is an odd thing to say still in 2015. Um, this one was with Paige. It did not have the interest, uh, yeah, yeah, oomph is the right thing to say, of some of the other recent podcasts. There are a lot of other recent podcasts that I think... I, I mean, when you start with Vince McMahon and Triple H as your first two, there's yeah, pretty much nowhere to go from there. But, I mean, it's very clear that this was not supposed to be Paige. This was supposed to be Hulk Hogan. And they had to, obviously, make that switch. after the, You know, they wanted someone to get in to promote Tough Enough. And it was supposed to be Hogan, which, you know, would have made a lot of sense. And after that, for whatever reason, they decided to go with Paige instead of Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Which was I, – I, I still don't quite yeah, understand. Yeah, especially given everything going on with Daniel Bryan right now, it seems like that would be way more interesting. Yeah. And, and and to be perfectly fair, I think that Paige could be a very compelling person on a podcast. If Absolutely. This was, if this was on JR's podcast, if this was on Stone Cold's podcast that wasn't on the network where they could – Get into a lot of the nitty gritty, you know, of how she came out. You know, she, or she started a, wrestling a, when she was thirteen. About the state of the divas division, yeah. and let her talk openly about right. it, right? And say, you know what, it is bullshit that we, right, we can't have defined roles. But but you know, getting into a lot of the more, I don't want to say smart, but but the thing that people who would listen to podcasts for, you know, who are listening to this would be interested in. If they had done that on a podcast, I have no problem with Paige. I think Paige has a fascinating story. On a situation like this where they are focusing on her WWE work, where they're trying to entice the casual fan as well as the truly hardcore fan and they can't really get in as much, it just doesn't work. And it, it didn't work this time around. People were not all that happy with the podcast. A lot of people thought she came off really badly, uh, both because of what she said and because of kind of she was just very overexcited with everything right. um, and just wasn't a great personality as it goes. But um, so, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but that doesn't mean that I think that it was an inherently bad move to have her on a podcast. And I'd be interested in, if J.R. was to interview her for his podcast, I'd be all in on that. 
Um, yeah, I think that Paige, it could be very interesting. I think that she's more likely to say something that you would be surprised by or that they wouldn't like her saying. See, I um, just I just want to hear about her being a, a champion of a, a women's champion right. of a company at the age of 14. Yeah, I mean, I like get that, that. That's right. fascinating I to get me. that. I totally understand. All right, uh, that leads us to this week's top five. And our top five this week is going to delve into what if these podcasts, again, that are supposed to be big events, following Raw, live on the – live, quote-unquote. They're not live. On the WWE Network. Um, you're supposed to care. You're supposed to want to tune in. All of those things. Who would get you to? Who are the top five guests that, again, assuming they have to answer everything – you inject them with truth serum. Right. Ahead inject of them with truth serum, and nothing is off topic. That the if it's Stone Cold, and let's just say it's Stone Cold, um, or if it's Jericho, whoever it is, whoever the podcaster is, they don't have anything that they have to avoid during the course of the podcast. Who are the top five that you'd be most likely to tune in for on the WWE Network right after Raw? All right. All right. My number five. Virgil, right? Oh <laughs> man, I didn't think about Virgil, but. He is kind of must-listen, isn't he? Uh, my number five is Shane McMahon. Um, you know, Shane, I think that it, so much of the focus would be, you know, we knew you were leaving, but we didn't know you were leaving. Why? Right. You know, why nothing ever? Not even a sighting at WrestleMania. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Why? Yep. And that, to me, is interesting. And he's largely avoided it. Like, yep. he just... He says he wants to do his own thing, and that's all he's And that's all he says, say. right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, there's no conversation. How did it get to that point? Like, was it was it related to your kids? Was it related to business? Was it related to something you didn't like about your father? You didn't want to be the same person? Why? Why nothing? Because it's one thing to be away from the WWE. It's another thing to be persona non grata right. around the WWE. And that, to me, is, is really worth diving into. So yep. that's why Shane is my number five. I mean, quite frankly, you could have the top five be the McMahons and yeah, Triple H. Yeah, I and just feel his, like... No, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. Just yeah. all, all of them have something have very right. interesting right. things to say on it. Uh, my number five was uh, it's someone who's been on the podcast before, but if we could get him to be on a live, Paul Heyman. And it's funny, he's my, like he's number number four on my list. Yeah, you know what I mean. I and mean, again, you know, he dodged a lot. He's dodged a lot in his life, but he's seen a lot of shit. He's run, you know, he ran a lot. He ran ECW. Mm-hmm. He's been part of everything, and to be able to get him. And, and, you know, quite frankly, I don't believe half the things he says because he is Paul Heyman and because he's, he's a, always a, selling. Right? Yeah, he's always selling. And, and that's good of him for for doing that. I have no problem with it. But if I could get Paul Heyman to sit down with Truth Serum in him, I, that would be fantastic. No, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm completely in agreement. And he made my list for the same reasons, only because everything he's been through, he's so fascinating. And he can speak to some of the more important characters of the last 20 years in professional wrestling. And so, yes, I would like for him to, again, no holds barred, really open up on a podcast. And I think that it would be very interesting. Uh, so you're number four. My number four is Shawn Michaels. Okay. Uh, I think that Shawn Michaels, he has started to open up a little bit more over the years. But so much of the 90s revolved around him, revolved around the click. He knows all of the dirt of how everything happened backstage. And, you know, especially with the way that the WWE right now is glorifying the click and making them out to yeah. be, I would love to hear exactly everything the click did, all of their backstage politics, everything, 
you know, all the guys they screwed over in the right. back. Right. And and hear all of that in detail. I would really be fascinated. And, you know, I could have picked any member of the class. I could have picked Nash. I could have picked Triple H. I picked Michael because he's he was the biggest guy at the time. He And he just, you know, he has a lot of stuff just in WWE around him of, you know, all of his stuff with Bret Hart, you know, all, all of that stuff. I think it would be great. All right. My number three, uh, for for reasons that are particularly recent, and the funny thing is we've, we were supposed to have this person on and – it didn't work, and we're still apparently supposed to have them on soon, but it's all weird. You don't throw the things out that China threw out recently and then just sort of have it go away. Um, I Obviously, look, it's never it could never happen. You know what I mean? It could never. But I want to know more. Did you just make stuff up for the sake of making it up to try to get attention? Or is there really something more to that that – you're going to be willing to put away as long as those guys welcome you back into your club, to their club. Which one is the truth? And again, we got to give it the truth serum. So we have to accept that we're going to get an honest answer. But that's why she would be on my list is because those are some pretty damning things that were stated. And if they're truthful, I would like to know that because it presents some of the more significant, you know, people of wrestling history in a really bad light. Yeah. So China's my number three. Uh, my number three is Bischoff, and, and this is going to continue to trend through my list. Is I want to find out some a lot of these rumors. You know, he wrote his autobiography. Of course, it was a very self-serving thing. Right. I want to know what happened to WCW if he, you know, if he thought what he was doing was right when he thought he lost control. I want to know the truth about WCW, basically. Okay, you know, for, I hear for, you. For more, yeah, right. yeah, I hear you. Uh, my number two is Bret Hart, only because every time I've ever watched Bret Hart sit down and do uh, an interview with anyone, it's been nothing but unbelievably compelling. It is weird how he's softened so much in recent years, mm-hmm. so I feel like it'd be really good to, you know, again, are you softening now because, hey, look, there's money coming back in, I needed some money, and it's good to be, you know, welcome back into the company. Or are you softening now, you know, because legitimately, you know, you've changed your mind about some of the things that you had said about these guys so many years ago, do you, do you understand more what happened in Montreal? Are you are you okay? Have you made peace with your brother Seth? This is a lot of things that I feel like he he came out very flame throwing about once upon a time, and has just sort of allowed to go away recently to put on yep. some smiles and never really addressed. So Bret Hart's my number two. Speaking uh, of recent events, Hulk Hogan's my number. Yeah, two. I can't. Yeah. I'm just not interested. You know, and I I wouldn't even care necessarily about. The most, you know, the recent right. stuff. I'm, I, again, just, just like with Shawn Michaels, so much backstage yeah, politics I hear you. Right. with him. So much, of, and, and he's a guy who has, who is in com- completely incapable of talking out of character. And, you yeah. know, of all the interviews yeah. he's done, he's never done an interview where he's accepted fault for anything, where he's been anything but Hulk Hogan, Golden Boy. And I want an interview with him where we can be like, all right, Hulk Hogan. Who are you when you are not this character? You know, that there's no almost nobody else that you could say this about where he's never done a char- yeah, interview yeah, out of character you're right, before. You're right. So I, I'd love to see that. Uh, my number one is CM Punk. I mean, sure. who would you want to hear, hear from more right now than CM Punk? You know what I mean? Who's the guy that you'd like to really just – and again, truth serum because I think a lot of stuff that CM Punk has said over the years has been self-serving as mm-hmm. well. Oh, absolutely. So now you put the truth serum in him and he's got to be honest – I think there might it end up looking really bad for CM Punk, but perhaps it, it wouldn't. 
perhaps it would make us like CM Punk more and 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 be really pissed off at Triple H or somebody. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that would be to finally get actual truth, to be forced to get actual truth. CM Punk would be the guy. Um, mine just for the amazing vast of knowledge it would release was is Vince. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, that, this, I, 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 I don't need to go again, around. Truth, truth serum, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I again, you. again, all of this is who basically. It's not so much who do I want to hear in a podcast, even though I would love to hear more of it in a podcast. It's who would I love to give truth serum? Right. To? Yeah, and, and be forced <laughs> to get straight up answers from. I can yep. understand that. All right. There's a top five for the week as we wind down for this week's episode. Thanks again to Kevin Eck for joining us in segment number one. Thanks to WrestleCrate for making it happen at the Aoster on Twitter. Anything quick yep. to plug for uh, Rolling Stone? Check out my interview with Ray Mysterio on Rolling Stone that went up the other day. Very good. I'm Glenn Clark at Glenn Clark Radio for Aaron for WrestleCrate. I'm Glenn. This is Ben. Jobbing out.